It's always reassuring to know there are people there. Good morning, everybody. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Thank you so much for your invitation. And I have to say that you are a very friendly and welcoming church. So uh, thank you for your welcome. Um, I'm going to continue reading from Scripture. Uh, It's great as you move around the world, actually, to discover that there is something very special that happens when God's people gather around God's word as we're doing now. So I'm following on from our reading uh, from Acts with a reading from 1 John chapter 4, and I'll read from verse 13 down um, to 21. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the saviour of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to know God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar, for whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Thanks be to God for his word. I was uh, thinking back, this is the first time we've been into your lovely new building, and it is fantastic. I love the way you look out at the world through the cross as you worship. There's a sermon in that without me opening my mouth, isn't there? Uh, But but actually, um, thinking back through the years, we've had a few connections with Haywood Heath Baptist Church. For those of you who are positively antediluvian, um, do any of you remember Andrew and Christine Burgess from... Yeah, 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 yeah. Andrew was church secretary at Peter's First Church in Bedford. Uh, Not church secretary, church treasurer. He was definitely a deacon. And I remember coming to stay down here with them when we had little boys and discovering the Bluebell Railway. Um, So, and we worshipped here. We worshipped with you that Sunday morning. But more recently, uh, we know Graham and Susan Watts quite well, uh, both from Spurgeon's, where Peter taught for something like 17 years, and then from South Wales, um, where we spent the last eight years. Um, So there are connections here. But as Trudy said, significantly with Fee, uh, we've been friends for longer than we dare to confess. Uh, and with Mark, ever since he rode on his white charger into Fee's life a number of years ago. And, and it's a great, it's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Wherever you go in the world to know that you're part of God's family. But now um, we are all living in Sussex and we are exploring that thing called retirement. 
And one of the things I enjoy about being retired is having more time to spend with people. It's been really good these last few months. Now we're allowed to, to reconnect with family, with church family, with friends, some from a long time ago. And not all my family and friends, I have to tell you, are Christian. Some of them are decidedly not so. One or two used to be, but somehow for them, somewhere along the road, faith has died. And maybe it's because I'm spending more time with family and friends who aren't believers that means that as I read the Bible so often, I hear it through their ears. I hear what they'd say, what they'd challenge, what they'd ask in the face of the promises and the claims of Scripture. Like this morning, when we're told in 1 John chapter 4 that perfect love drives out fear. Does it? When you're not in church, does it? How does it? Or in verse 16, where we're told God is love. Really? When you look around at this world, when you look at people's lives, at how many bad things happen to good people, I hear them asking. I very rarely do this, but a couple of weeks ago, I clicked on a link on a Facebook posting to an article about the faithfulness of God, and it was a really good article. You and I would have been saying, hey, our amens to it. But as I, I scrolled through the comments, two or three comments down, I came across this explosion of anger. Your God, it said, is a vindictive sadist. He leads you up paths full of promise, and then he abandons you in the horror and the agony. I don't know if you have ever experienced, encountered that sort of anger. Now, we don't know what was behind that particular outburst, but have you ever encountered that sort of anger coming at you? Indeed, have there ever been moments when in your darkest places you have just felt tempted to feel just a bit abandoned by God? What is this perfect love? When this passage talks about the perfect love that drives out fear, it's telling us that there is a love that's stronger and more powerful than even the very best of human love. Wonderful, though human love is. And that's the perfect love of God that, as we've been singing, is revealed and demonstrated and given to us utterly complete in Jesus. God's perfect love is a love that is utterly reliable. Back in July, uh, we managed to get in a family weekend in Portsmouth. Trying to point it. There we go. Uh, it was our wedding anniversary, and we managed to get the family together. And on the Saturday morning, we went up the Spinnaker Tower. Some of you have done this. Uh, and those of you who've been up the Spinnaker Tower will know that not only do you get spectacular views over Portsmouth and the Solent and the Isle of Wight, um, but also that part of the viewing gallery is made of glass. You remember that? 
And you're invited not only to look down through the glass, which can be uh, enough of a challenge for some people, but to walk across the glass floor. And uh, I did walk across the glass floor, partly because I knew that something like two million people had walked across it before me and lived to tell the tale, you know? But for one of our group, walking across that bridge of glass was a real challenge. Because, well, you know how it is. You might know that two million people have walked over that glass bridge, but what if you're the two millionth and first who happens to be on it when it gives way beneath you? We know and rely on the love that God has for us. We're told in verse 16 of this passage. But sometimes relying on God's love feels a bit like walking across a floor that's made of glass. It can be scary. Sometimes it feels like walking where there is no floor, where you can feel no floor at all. How can we trust God's love when everything in our experience seems to be telling us that God's abandoned us, that God's just not there? We trust in God's love because that's what Jesus had to do. Jesus went to the cross in faith. He had no more certainty than we have, because human beings don't have certainty. We have faith. And even Jesus experienced that moment when he felt abandoned. You remember when in utter desolation he cried out, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? God, where are you now when I need you most of all? Jesus knows what it feels like to be taken to that place where he feels utterly lost and frighteningly alone. And yet, and yet we know that that's not the end of the story. We know that in those moments when God felt abandoned by God, God was utterly there. And together, Father and Son came through to the relief, the indescribable joy, the victory of resurrection morning. That deserves a hallelujah, doesn't it? We rely on the love that God has for us because in Jesus, that love has been tested to the uttermost and has not failed. And as Jesus is raised to new life, we witness the victory of God's love. God's victory over hopelessness. God's victory over all that's wrong with this world. The victory of God's love over death itself and over every death dealing power that this life holds. That's the solid ground beneath our feet. Can you feel it? Do you want to stamp on the rock of God's unfailing love that's beneath your feet even now? A love that is utterly reliable. The death and resurrection of Christ lead us to that place of trust where we know and rely upon the love that God has for us. A love that's utterly reliable. And secondly, this passage tells us that God's perfect love 
is a love that's totally forgiving. There's an interesting verse in in 1 John 4, it's verse 18, which says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. And this is the interesting bit, because fear is to do with punishment. Now, as I look at my non-believing friends, I have to tell you that they don't look as if they are quaking in their boots at the idea of being punished by God. In fact, they probably don't even think about that. But as I look at them, as I listen to them, lots of them do struggle. They struggle with guilt, with regrets, with things they can't put right with people they just can't forgive. D.L. Moody, the 19th century American evangelist, said, you don't have to tell people that they're sinners, that they've done wrong. They know that. What they need to know is that there is forgiveness. Now, um, this is going to be too much information for some of you, particularly as you're beginning to think about lunch. So uh, I I apologize in advance, all right? Uh, But one of um, my many inadequacies is that I find it almost impossible to be sick, to vomit, you know? Which means that I absolutely dread getting one of those sicky bugs you know what it's like when you're you're dizzy and you're going hot and you're going cold and at that moment death itself would be a happy release and then apparently you're sick and you get it all out and you feel a whole lot better well for some reason I can't get it out inadequate stomach muscles or something probably but I am trapped in feeling absolutely awful which means that I am scared of feeling sick. And you know, as I look around, I find myself wondering whether as a society, we're a bit like that with guilt. We are scared of feeling guilty. We're scared of acknowledging where we are guilty because we don't know what to do with it. So we try to deny it, don't we? It's not my fault. But deep down, no matter how much we try to push it down and tell ourselves just to be human, deep down it's still there. The perfect love that drives out fear is a love that is totally forgiving, a love that sets us free from guilt and shame. Now, I I know that picture isn't great art, but the feeling... Do you know that feeling? Do you know the feeling of walking to the foot of the cross with so many things weighing down your head and your heart, your gut, wherever it is, and leaving them at the foot of the cross and walking away free? If you've never known that feeling, you can. And again this morning, we each of us come again and know that we come to the cross of Jesus and we walk away free, feel that freedom again. Oh, the perfect love of God doesn't loss over painful things, but still it speaks forgiveness 
to you and to me and to all. And as Paul reminds us, the proof of God's amazing love is this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's perfect love is a love that's utterly reliable, a love that's totally forgiving, and a love that is radically life-changing. Because this passage is uncompromising in insisting that knowing this love changes us so that we begin to love others in exactly the same way that God loves us. Verse 21, God has given us this command, command note, that whoever loves God must also love his brother. Whoever has received God's love and loves God back must also love his brother. I'm not very good at science, but it's a bit like an electric current, isn't it? Um, Am I right in saying that for, for an electric current to flow, you need to complete the circuit? Nod at me if I'm vaguely in the land of reason. And I think that's why every Christmas I have to replace one or two of those bulbs on the Christmas tree lights to make sure that the current's still flowing. God's love is is made complete. It's made perfect as we complete the circuit by loving the people around us, the people God has given us to love. And this is the rub, in the way that God loves us. With a love that's reliable and with a love that forgives. But that's not always easy, is it? Because forgiveness isn't easy. And forgiveness isn't saying it doesn't matter. Um, I'm I'm just going to give you a little warning here because the next picture I show, some of you might find disturbing. Because this is how much it matters. This is how much it costs to forgive. Forgive. Forgiveness is a painful and a costly business for God. And when you're struggling to forgive, know that God is there in the struggle with you, knowing how costly and painful it can be. But it is a journey we're called to take. In our first reading that Trudy read for us from Act 6, we find Stephen being stoned to death by an angry crowd. And on his lips, we find this amazing prayer. Father, do not hold this sin against them. It's perhaps the most challenging prayer we find in Acts. And it sums up everything that you were saying about how prayer and living like Jesus are so so much part of, of the same journey. And as we, and of course the prayer that we, um, that we hear on the lips of Stephen, where have we heard that prayer before? On the lips of Jesus, on the cross. I always say, but that's in the Bible, it's not real life, you don't really expect us to live like that. God doesn't really expect us to live like that, does he? But the link between the Bible and real life, the link between the Bible and our lives, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that's given to us, we're told at the end of verse 17. Why? So that in this world, we are like Jesus. 
But of course, that's not something that happens instantly. It's often a long and a slow journey. And learning to love like Jesus simply is not something that we can do on our own. Thinking this week about how difficult it can be to forgive, how difficult it is to love like Jesus, the picture that came into my mind was the picture of a young child learning to form their letters. Do we have teachers among us? I don't know if we still do it these days, but when I was young, when our boys were young, we used to have those books with lines across them. And you practiced, didn't you, going round your A, and then your B, or your B, and then, then your C. And the picture that came into my head was of the way the teacher, or perhaps the mother, when the child's struggling to form their letters, they come and they place their hand over the hand of the child, and they guide the child round and up, and down, and round, and up, and down, until they get the hang of it for themselves. And maybe that's a picture of the way that God's Spirit comes lovingly and gently to help us. Because the minute we give our lives to following Christ, the very same Spirit that motivated and empowered Jesus comes to live in us. For a Christian, the question never is, do I have the Spirit? The question often is, does the Holy Spirit have us, all of us? A love that's utterly reliable, a love that's totally forgiving, a love that's radically life-changing, and a love that's world-changing. And how desperately this world, my friends, my family who aren't believers, this whole world needs something that can bring the hope of real change. Words of Martin Luther King. Darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. And again... Hatred and bitterness can never cure the disease of fear. The fear that has so much of this world in its grip. The fear that makes us fight each other rather than turning and fighting together the real enemies of poverty and injustice and impending climate disaster. Hatred and bitterness can never cure the disease of fear. Only love can do that. God's perfect love has the power to transform us and to transform this hurting world. And because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, we are those, in church here this morning, we are those who know that goodness is stronger than evil, that love is stronger than hate. Do you believe that? Do you believe it enough to live it? That light is stronger than darkness. That life is stronger than death. Because victory is ours through him who has loved us. Hallelujah. And it is from that place of victory that God is asking us to be generous and gracious in our loving and our living so that in this world, 
we will be more and more and more like Jesus. So that our families and our friends, our neighbours and this whole world may see and know and join us in trusting the power of this perfect love. So where is God asking us to let something more of his perfect love flow through us in this new season and today? Let's just take a few moments of quietness to rest in God's presence, to soak in his amazing grace, and to invite his spirit to search our hearts and our minds, and to bring to the surface those things he wants to talk with us about today. And as God's Spirit searches our being, know that God doesn't want us to feel guilty, but to be set free. So don't be frightened of allowing things to rise. And as they rise, release them to God's perfect love. And as you release them, receive afresh in the places that are empty, God's utterly complete gracious, merciful love for you. Father, what can we say but thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And thank you too for your promise that the good work that you have begun in us, you will continue by your spirit until that day when you bring it and all things to completion on the great day of Christ Jesus. And so, Father, we simply surrender afresh to you, thanking you so much that we can do that in the wonderful and gracious name of Jesus. Amen.